Well, praise God. Before we get going this morning, I've got some uh, pictures I want to show y'all. I was in Guatemala last week. I was there for nine days, and it was great. I really didn't want to come home, but I did. And uh, then I couldn't hardly get home. Spent, got the Houston airport was shut down on, when the rainstorm came through, and I ended up in San Antonio first, where I was supposed to go. So the plane lands in San Antonio, and they won't let me off because we haven't cleared customs. And so I sat on the tarmac in San Antonio for three and a half hours on the plane, looking out the window saying, Lord, that's where I want to be. It's right out there. Then it takes off, flies me to Houston, dumps me off in the middle of the chaos of everybody else, and I had to fight my way back to San Antonio. So I got home at two o'clock in the morning and wasn't too happy, but... We overcame, but anyway, it was a great trip, and so I've got some pictures here, and I, Kim, just shoot one of them up, and then I'll, this is, we, we, we you know, what we did was, is we have, the, another church has bought a drilling rig, a water well drilling rig for the orphanage, and so we're uh, working with them to try to teach them how to use it and all that, and so this was a site, this is how we had to start out, this was a, this was a field in some new t land that we've got. And literally that dirt all around you is like talcum powder. Okay, hold on just a second. So this is, so go on to the next one. So then this is where we set the drilling rig up. That's a little rig that, that we used. But everywhere you step is like talcum powder. You just step and it goes poof. The dirt just goes up. It just, you just can't imagine the mess. And so uh, they, we had to get the site prepped and prepared. And then we started, we got the drilling rig up and got it set up and had to get all of our mud pits in there. Uh, what's so funny about Guatemalans is they have a machete on their side and anytime they need a stake, they just run up into the forest and chop a limb down and come running back and drive it in the ground. And so you can look at this mess that we had. And so we began to work. That is Andrew and the, and the Guatemalans drilling. We got them all lined out there. This is us setting casing in there. We had to kind of just figure out how to make it work. So basically we got a bunch of ropes tied on about 700 pounds of pipe praying. This is a picture of me when I explained to the Guatemalans what not to do because I forgot to shut the water off when I broke one of the joints and it blew drilling mud all over me. And so I told Andrew, take a picture to remind the Guatemalans, shut the water off before you break the joint of pipe. So, so go on. So now this is a real event. A church in Harlingen had donated 1,000 chairs to the new church in Guatemala. They were changing out their chairs, and we had a 1,000 brand-new chairs. Or they weren't brand-new. They were new to us, but they were their old chairs, but they were in great shape. Well, they delivered them to the orphanage. We've had all kinds of problems getting them there. They delivered them to the orphanage at 10 o'clock on Sunday night. So my Sunday morning was I got up at 7. I went to the drilling site. I broke down the rig, showed the Guatemalans how to all take it apart. We broke the rig back, and I took it to the, back to the orphanage. Then changed clothes, got cleaned up, went and preached the service, and I preached in Spanish. Four people got saved, so how about that? So uh, preached, ate lunch, went back to the drilling site, began to bail the well to try to get it to produce. Then at 10 o'clock at night, a 1,000 chairs show up to be delivered. The truck is too tall, it can't make it into the orphanage. 
So we had to stand outside the orphanage, and you can't really see it in this picture, but where that little light is between the truck and the wall way down there, it's at least 100 yards or more down the hill. And we got all the kids out. Everybody that was 15 years and old uh, and older came and stood in a line, and we took one chair off and handed it to a person, handed it, handed it, handed it, all the way down the hill, and all the way had to put them into the feeding center. So we got through about 12.30 that night, unloading all the chairs. So that was a real event. But I think I got a picture here of them in the church. There they are. Bless God, now they're all into the church. So how about that? Isn't that awesome? That is amazing. So they're having church this morning, their very first service with all the new chairs. Now, that was a service that I did, uh, a picture of just the, the kids and all there for that morning service. And so go on to the next one. Do we have a next one? That one right there. Hold it right there. Okay. So, you know, we, we, I, I, I'm always wanting to give. I'm always wanting to go to the next step. We're through with the church. We got that baby done. There's a few things that need to be done around there, but we're doing good. So I was talking to Bethany about the widows because I just am really impressed by the Lord that we as a church need to be doing something for the widows. And so we talked about building one of the widow's houses. The widow's houses cost $7,500 a piece, and it's, a, it's basically getting them out of the dirt, getting them on concrete, getting them a roof over their head, getting them a, 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 their own fireplace and, and everything in there and way to cook and, and blessing them. And so, but then we've got this great, this, this church that gave us this great grant of $375,000 to build 50 widows' homes, and so we had money there. And so then there's another individual who's been to the church who's a welding fabricator in South Dakota, and he came to the orphanage and was just really touched and blessed, and he has, he has bought everything that you could ever imagine that we would need to build the widow's homes, all the way from an F-550 truck to a brand-new skid steer, all the implements, dump trailers, uh, just unbelievable thing this man has done, and they're being, it's being shipped right now. It's over $100,000 worth of uh, of tools and stuff being shipped to the orphanage, and we're supposed to get it next week. And so I said, well, what can we do? And Bethany said, well, this is what our church needs. I mean, the, the widows really need. We need this truck. And I said, you know, I'm ashamed to think that I would even buy something like that. It looks like some sort of a clown vehicle that we would use in a rodeo, you know. It doesn't even look like the real thing. And so anyway, what it is is it's a... It's a double cab truck with a bed in the back of it, and the way these things are made, they have very tight turning radiuses so they can get up in the hill. It's four-wheel drive. It's diesel. And what we're going to do is we're buying this, and then we're going to take the back end of it, and it's for the food service because they take all the food to the widows and orphans, the widows, excuse me, every Saturday and to whatever their dietary needs are. So they take bottled water, we, we purify our own water at the orphanage, and then we load it up and take it. So we're going to build racks where all the water bottles can go in there, all the food can go in there and do all that. Well, we came home. I got home uh, Tuesday, Tuesday night at 2 o'clock, which I guess is really Wednesday morning. And I made a couple of phone calls just to some people that I thought would be interested in doing this. And all the money was donated, and we've already bought this thing, and we've already sent the money to there and they've they're purchased it so they're buying it and then we got to 
do a little extra to get it all rigged up. But then they said, well, you know, the other thing that we have need of is vans. Now, Living Waters Church has bought most of the vehicles that are at uh, the orphanage. We bought the first truck 14 years ago, a single cab Chevy truck that they still use today because nothing in Guatemala ever gets, it never gets too old, okay? Although I was laughing because uh, when I was in the white truck, which is the oldest one, uh, we were working, moving some stuff, and I did something on the dash, and the whole dash fell off. And I was like, oh my gosh, I broke the dash. And so I, then I quickly got it up and tried to get it all back in there, you know, because I didn't want it to be me that broke the dash. And so then Bethany's telling the story about needing this truck. She says, yeah, I was driving the white truck the other day, and the whole dash fell off. And I said, really? The dash fell off? <laughs> I said, I think I broke it last time I was here. She thought she did it, and I said, no, nah, I think I did it. But anyway, so all the vehicles are, you know, two and 300,000 miles on them, and just, you know, literally they're held together with screws. When I was in one of the vehicles, they had screws, sheetrock screws, screwed into the dash, holding everything on and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, so we need a couple of vans. Now, the thing that's odd is there's not really any 15-passenger vans in Guatemala because they're too big. People don't want them to to move around, they go to these littler vehicles like this. So we're looking to see what we can do here in the States. And I know some people that, that deal in vehicles, and so we're trying to see what we can do to buy a van here. It may be cheaper to buy a van here and then ship them down. So anyway, I want you all to be in prayer about that, about what's going on with the vans. I'll keep you updated on what's taking place. Uh, start thinking about what you want to sow into it. I'm so glad that we get to do this vehicle because if we couldn't build one widow's home, now we get to do something that's going to touch all of them. Amen? And so, praise God, we, we, we uh, get to be a huge, giant blessing for that. So, be in prayer about that. I'm just, you know, if God impresses you something about giving offerings towards the vans and uh, all that, well, then just put it on your offering, send it in. I'm not going to pressure anybody. I know God has already supplies. If he can supply all this, he's got it under control. Amen? But y'all all get to be a part. Praise God. So look at the person beside you and say, way to go. So praise God. Get your Bibles out this morning. I want to share a word with you. Go to the Old Testament. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. Now it's interesting, you know, when you get down there at, at the orphanage, it's just like being in the the in a worship service all day long the presence of god is just there but uh we were working doing this drilling rig and man we were you know we'd leave there at eight o'clock in the morning get back at eight in the evening and it's off we were off the property and so i was doing a lot of praying a lot of reading at night it was by myself and uh and god started b just birthing some things in me just just and, and you may say well didn't he preach this before but just listen to it like you've never heard it before okay but Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23, I want to share this with you. It says, then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in. And when I read that, it just hit me. He brought us out so that he could bring us in. Everybody say he brought us out so he could bring us in. In other words, God had a plan and a purpose for you. He's always had a plan and a purpose for his people. God said he didn't want to, he wanted to bring you out of darkness but then he wants to take you into light. 
He wants to bring you out of bondage, but he wants to take you into freedom. He doesn't want you just to, it's not like God wants to, there's a lot of Christians have a, a, a theology that says, oh yeah, well God saved me and that's it until I die. And then he'll deal with me again. No, no, no. He brings you out so that he can take you in. He takes you out of Egypt so he can bring you into the promised land. God has a plan for each and every one of you. You're not, you're not just a mistake. You're not just something that happened. You're, God has a plan for you. Everybody say, God's got a plan for me. Philippians 1 and 6 says, a good work he started in you. That started at conception. Hear me? That started at conception. He started a good work in you. And you may sit here today and you may say, ah, you know, I'm a failure. I haven't done anything. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. No, no, no. No, no, listen to me. You've got to get on board and get in agreement with God that he has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. Some of you older people think you're going to retire, but I want to tell you something. You don't ever get to retire from the kingdom of God. You never get to retire from the kingdom of God. You always can have a good word to say to somebody. You always can give somebody a smile and a blessing. You always can give somebody an encouragement. You can always tell a new mom how to cook cookies. Hello? You always got something you can pass on, something you can be a blessing in. When I was down there this week, I, 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 what I love about what Pastor Andrew and Bethany are, are doing with the orphans is that they're letting them become their own individuals. And so we do not try to cookie-cutter kids out. Where Yes, they wear uniforms to, to school and all, but in their time in church and all the other time, they get to be whoever they want to be. So we got some gangster girls with their caps on backwards. They're the saggy jeans. They like that. And we got some other prim-cut, you know, uh, just prim and proper. Then we've got some others, this and that. And some of the boys have, have got some long hair. All right? So if you're against long hair, I'm sorry. You just had to get over it. But uh, so this one boy, I kept looking at him, and I kept looking at him thinking, man, you're familiar looking, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't know who you are. So later, I said something about, to, to, to Bethany, or she was talking, and she was talking about this, and she said, this young man's name is Nilsson. And it just popped back into my mind because when he was a little bitty boy at the orphanage, I just always, the reason why he stuck out to me, he's got some different facial features, but what stuck out to me is who names a Guatemalan kid Nilsson? I mean, I guess I just always think, because, you know, Guatemalans are, are not like, Mex it's not Mexico, okay? And they're not the Juans and the Pedros and the Pablos, and they name their kids, he's named Nilsson. And so I was like, Nilsson. So anyway, I, I realized, oh my God. I remember him when he was a little bitty boy growing up at the orphanage. And he's grown up all these years, and now here he is. He's, he's uh, 16. And I'm seeing him there, and I'm thinking, my gosh. And the Lord starts speaking to me. He says, you know, every kid that comes here, they have a special purpose. I've sent them here to be trained and developed, to be men and women of God for a special purpose. And then... He went on and started speaking to me. He says, that's what I want everyone to realize, that you have a special purpose in life. You may have never walked in it. You may have never grasped it. You may have never received it from the Lord, but it's not too late. Hear me now. It's not too late. 
A lot of you in life have touched people's lives and you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. You don't even realize what God has done with you and through you to help somebody else in life. But how much more when we get in agreement with it? Amen? This man I was telling you about that donated all this equipment, he had the testimony that he, he was sitting at his desk, he was discouraged, he was in despair. Uh, he, he, he's, he's about my age and, and children have all left the house and he just said to the Lord, I have no purpose. I have no purpose. I don't know what my purpose is. I have no purpose. No purpose at all. I don't, I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I have no purpose in life. What do you want me to do, Lord? Will you please show me a sign? Instantly the phone rings. And it was Pastor Andrew on the other end of the phone thanking him for a donation he'd given to the orphanage. And he said, well, Lord, I believe that's a sign. So he came down to the orphanage, began just to walk around the grounds weeping and crying, and then he just, his heart was turned on to the Lord. Went home to his wife and said, you know, sweetie, I think we, wanted, we need to live with all, our, these last days of our life, we need to live all out. She said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to live on 10% of my business and give 90% away. And we're going to give it all to the orphanage. And he's a welder by trade, fabricator. And that's what he did. He found his purpose in life. When you find your purpose in life, you get turned on. You get turned on to the things of God. When you start to find your purpose, like, like myself, I went down there. I, I, the deepest well I have ever drilled in life is about six foot. It was an overgrown post hole. All right, but I, I knew that this well drilling is important to them, and, and I learned quick, and when I was down there with Chad and Zach first time and saw them drill and taught me how to do it and everything, and I went back to teach them, because I know that there's somebody there that has a purpose, that they're going to fall in love with that drilling rig, and it's going to become a great thing for them. That's going to be their purpose in life. You see, your purpose doesn't always have to be preaching. Your purpose doesn't always have to be, you know, like, like you're the great evangelist. No, your purpose might be to encourage somebody else whose purpose that might be. It's your purpose in life to hold up somebody's arms. It's your purpose in life to, to lift somebody up. I told my mother this morning, I said, Mother, do you realize that as my mother, everything that I've touched, it's yours. Everything, that every reward, everything that ever goes to heaven, whatever happens in heaven, whatever takes place, you're, you birthed me. You raised me. You put inside of me. You have a part of everything that I've ever done in life. You got to realize how important your purpose is in life, church. You got to realize that it may be that dollar you gave, it may be that five dollars you gave, it may be that hundred dollars you gave, in, in some form or fashion that God then took and made something great out of it because He wants to bring you out of the bondage and He wants to take you into something glorious. So, what He's taking you into is your purpose in life. We spend too much time trying to figure out what is your purpose in life, and I want to tell you how, what you know what your purpose in life is. Your purpose in life is, what are you doing right now? That's your purpose. Turn it over to God, make him first in it, and that's your purpose. In the morning, today is your purpose. Wherever you're going to go, this is your purpose. Be a blessing everywhere you can go. Whoever you see, that's your purpose. The whole time I was on this plane, I kept laughing because I knew I was going to preach this message, and I said, Lord, this cannot be my purpose. I'm stuck on a plane. So I began to sit there and think about, okay, well, Lord, is there any reason why I should be stuck on the tarmac for three hours? Is there any reason why I should be here on this plane? Now, I'd love to tell you this great story that the guy sitting beside me got saved, fell on his face, the whole plane was slain in the spirit, and everybody was speaking in tongues and praising God. 
But I spent most of the hour and a half trying to get over that I was stuck on the plane. Before I ever even got into thinking about, is there a reason for me to be here? All right? I'd love to tell you a story. I'd love to just tell you this great story that, that you know, as I walked down the airport in Houston, everybody was just touched and got saved. But I'm telling you, they were angry. Everybody's mad and grim because they had missed their flights, okay? I don't have a great... But I'm telling you, I walked down that thing saying, Lord, I guess I'm supposed to be here for some reason. I just walked on down, walked to my gate, tried to stay in the, the least amount of stress I could possibly do through, through all that, and navigate through everything and be as nice as I could. Seriously. I mean, when you're in... I want to tell you all something. There is a time that you might want to be forceful in life, but when everybody is grumpy and everybody's in a bad mood, you get a whole lot more flies caught with honey than vinegar. So I found me a lady behind the ticket counter, and I went up to her, and I said, I, her, I just looked at her name tag. Her name was Patricia. I said, Patricia, you can be my hero today. <laughs> she said, excuse me? I said, if you can get me on a flight to San Antonio, you will be my hero today. And she said, well, sir, let me see what I can do. I'd like to be your hero. And I said, come on, Patricia. Touch her, Lord, touch her. That lady got a whole lot of prayer in a very short time. But you see what I'm saying? You've got you to realize that it's your purpose. Everybody, everybody say right now, say, I have a purpose. You have a purpose in life. Your purpose is to be brought out of the darkness you're in and to be brought into what God has for you. He wants to bring you out of the kingdom of darkness and place you in the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians 1.13. He's delivered you from the power of darkness and conveyed you into the kingdom of his dear son. The word convey there means to take out of one place and put in another. That's literally what the word means. He took you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom of God. You're not hung in between. You're not suspended over the chasm. You were taken out, put in. The day you made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you were taken out, you were put in. Taken out and put in. So, you're not going to fulfill your purpose in life. You're not going to walk in your purpose in life until you get a few things straight in your thinking. Okay? And I got four points here, but I doubt very seriously I'm going to get through them. But I want to give it a shot. I'm not going to hurry up. I'll preach again next week. The very first thing you have got to settle in your thinking is that you have to come to an understanding and know the nature of God. You say, oh, how can you know God? God is so big, so vast. How could you ever know the nature of God? Well, let's go look at some scripture. Go to the gospel of, uh, the, I mean, the, uh, James, the epistle of James, chapter 1, verse 13. James 1, 13. It says, let no one say that when he is tempted, that he's tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when his desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin, it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, or of his, of his own will be brought us forth 
the word of truth that he might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, you got to get into the, yourself, settle down on the inside of your heart, down on the inside of your mind. you got to change your thinking that God is good and the devil is bad. It's a simple thing. But if you do not have that rooted out on the inside of you that God only gives good and perfect gifts down on the inside of you, then I want to tell you something. You're going to wrestle and flounder in life because you're not going to have it rooted down in you that when something bad comes upon you, you're going to immediately turn to a religious way of thinking and think, I must have done something because God let this happen to me. All of us, I can guarantee you, you've thought that once in a while in life. But that will hinder you from walking your relationship with God, for fulfilling your purpose in life, because if you do not believe God is good and has the best intentions for you and goodness for you and wants you to walk in blessings, if you do not believe that, if it's not settled down in your heart, the devil will come in there, find that weakness within you, and use it against yourself. Hear what I'm saying? He'll use it against yourself. He'll use you against you. He will come in and destroy you. By getting you to believe that God may have put this bad thing on you. I've talked with a lot of Christians before, and when sickness comes on them or something like that, they say, well, I don't know, maybe this is of God. And, then I'll, I, and I've said this to them, and they don't like it. That makes them mad. I said, well, then for goodness sakes, don't go to the doctor and stay sick. Does that not make sense? If God put it on you, then you better own it. Enjoy it. Yeah. But we don't want to do that. We run from it because even our own nature tells us that sickness is not of God. Because nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants to wake up in the morning and say, oh, man, praise God, it's going to be a good day. My knee's killing me. Nobody says that. Hello? Because, see, even our own selves, the creation that we are, who is created with a purpose for God, knows that God is good. The devil is bad, and this world that we live in is a fallen world. You know, the airlines, it's so funny because everybody gets mad at the airlines. Everybody's mad at the airlines. Everybody's going, yeah. And I just went up to Patricia there and I said, you know, I said, it's not your fault. You, 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 didn't, you didn't cause a rainstorm. You know, you didn't cause a rainstorm. The only thing that was really kind of irritating me where I kind of got a little on the edge of, 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 uh, uh, of my seat of not acting very Christian was that I didn't know this, but I'll just give you all this information that if you're in a, the situation I was, when you're on a plane and it's thundering and lightning, if a lightning strike strikes within five miles of the airport, the ground crew will not come out. And so they have to wait 15 minutes. If there's no lightning strike within five miles, well, then they'll come out. But if it lightnings again, then they go back in. So I'm sitting out the window looking at the, at the ground crew like little rats running back and forth because it would lightning and they'd all run in. And they wouldn't unhook the plane, push the plane out on the tarmac, and so we could take off. So we sat there another hour and a half with them running back and forth. And I wanted to scream out there, yeah, chickens, get out of there. Million to one odds, you'll get hit. Get this plane out of here. That's what I wanted to say. So, you know, I, I, that's when my godliness was hurting. But let's look at something else. Go to the Old Testament. Look at Exodus 34, 6. And let's see what Moses said about the nature of God. Moses said he wanted to see God. God said, okay, I'll see you, but I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, and I want to pass by, and you'll see my back. And then 34.6 says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, 
The Lord, the Lord God. Look what he says. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the children of the children to the third and the fourth generation. In other words, God says, I'm a God of righteousness. I'm a God of justice. I'm a God of mercy. I'm a God of goodness. I'm a God of, uh, 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 you know, that abounding in graciousness, long-suffering, merciful. He announced who he was. He said, this is who I am. I'm a good, gracious, awesome, amazing God. I mean, when I was on the plane, I thought of everything. I came up with scriptures for translation. God, you can zip me off the plane. You can, you know, all this kind of stuff. All these things came up as I sat there. So I read my Bible, listened to praise and worship music, worshiped God. Still knew God had his best interest in it. He said, well, why? Why? Why does this happen? I don't know. I'm tired of worrying about why. I'm tired of trying to figure out the whys in life. I'm just deciding to live every day knowing that I have a purpose in life and be the biggest blessing I can right in the middle of it. No, God is for me. He's not against me. Greater is he that's in me and he that's in this world, right? That I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus. That I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And just walk. Learn to enjoy life. One of the things that's so hilarious, you know, I've worked in Mexico for years and years and years, but it's just taken me a while to understand, even after I've been in Guatemala all these years, that Guatemalans, they're not Mexicans. Okay? They speak Spanish. They're brown skin, but they are not of the Mexican culture. They have their own ways of doing things. And so I've learned there's no sense in dealing with it. There's no sense in trying to change it. Just go with the flow. And so at this one point, we were trying to set the casing in the well, which when my pros were there, they dropped a piece of casing down the well. So I was like, okay, something bad happened to the pros. I I better really be on guard here. So I rigged up every contraption you can ever imagine. I got the backhoe up there. We ran a rope around there. We tied up the, uh, the... the, the uh, you know, PVC casing, we had another rope down the bottom, and I built this slip that would slide over and grab the bell of the pipe if it was to fall down the hole. But I had no way to attach it except me hold it. So I'm down on my hands and knees, and I'm pushing against this slip so this thing will not come out while we're trying to lower the casing once we had to put eight joints together, and it was heavy wall pipe, and so we figured we were getting around six 700 pounds, and that's not a, no man's going to hold that. So we had all these ropes on there. Well, while I'm holding this thing and one of the ropes starts slipping, the Guatemalans all get into talking about how they need to tie the knot. So I'm down on my hands and knees with all of my might pushing against this thing while they're laughing and joking about, no, 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 no don't tie the knot that way. Tie it this way. And so they're going back and forth, back and forth. No, no, no. If you do it this way. But one time my brother, he tied a knot this way and he did this like this. And so they're going there. And finally, you know, and I'm like the intense American. And find out how to tie a knot. <laughs> you know, and then they're all like, oh, Pastor Brody's upset. You know, tie a knot. My God, they're going to drop it down the hole. But everything that they do, they're just kind of like having fun about it. The, I feel the severity of, oh, my gosh, at any moment, this thing's going to come crashing down and, you know, whatever. And they're just like, oh, well, listen, you know, what if we tied the knot this way? And they're just like enjoying it. And I thought to myself, I wish I could enjoy my life all the time like this, Lord. Because I'm too intense. 
And he said, why don't you? Why don't you? And I said, I don't know. I've just been raised like this my whole life. <laughs> so we've got to change some thinking. You know, they have that. It's not like that manana attitude, but it's more like, oh, everything will be okay. Yeah, it'll be okay. Well, I'm freaking out. Okay? So the very first thing you've got to do in life is quit freaking out, and you've got to get into that mindset of, hey, you know, God's good and he's for me. You've got to get that settled in your heart, church. God's good and he's for me. Now I want to take a little side trip here on this. I know you're not always good. You don't have to try to hide it from me. Neither am I. Okay? Neither am I. Like, I saw an article. There's some kind of computer they're coming out with that can read a person's thoughts. And I started laughing. I said, man, you don't want to get my head. There's times that, I mean, I'm like angels and it's glory and all, and then there's time there's war, you know, going on. You don't want to get into my head. And so... I thought, well, wait a minute, you know, but God always knows my thoughts. And you've got to come to the understanding, and I don't know if this is a point two or this is a sidestep of point one, but you've got to believe God's good, but I want to tell you something, folks, you've got to believe that your righteousness comes by your faith in the blood of Jesus, not by your ability to do good works. Because if the devil has you twisting your tail that God's not going to do anything for you because you've done something wrong, and you're living under condemnation, under guilt, and under works, you're not going to ever be able to walk with God. You have got to believe and know that you know that you're saved, that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, and that his blood washes you and cleanses you of all your sin, and that that's what makes you be able to stand righteous before God, not by your good works. Because I know God is good, and if I know I'm righteous, then I know I'm on the right track. Hello? If you get those two things just really settled down in your heart, in your brain, that you're, you're right before God and that God's good and wanting to bless you, I mean, being right before somebody who doesn't want to bless you, that doesn't give you much comfort, right? But if you know you're right and in a right standing before a God who loves you, who's gracious and merciful and just and he wants to bless you, then folks, all of a sudden the pressure's kind of off because you're in the right place and you finally made a right decision in life. You may have made a bunch of dumb ones. But bless God, the greatest decision you ever make is to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Because this good God wants to bless you. This good God wants to pour himself on you. This good God wants to do things for you. Ooh. Man, God is for you. Everybody say God's for me. Look at the person beside you and say, you know, God's for you. Now, let me get into the second one here, and I may have to go back next week. I don't want to run out of time here, but let's just do the second one. The, the, like I said, I don't know if this is second or third, all right? But whatever point it would be that you want to write it down as, I'm calling it second. You know God's good. You know he's for you, all right? But then you have to come to the understanding. You have to know what have you been redeemed from? What does redemption really mean? It's a... It's a Church word that we use all the time, redemption. You might use redeemed if you've ever pawned anything. Because if you went to a pawn shop and you pawned something, you take your ticket back in there and you redeem what you pawned. But other than that, you probably never use the word redemption other than in a religious term. But redemption means 
bought back in full, paid in full. Remember, he brought you in or brought you out so he can take you in. And what did he redeem you from? Because you see, a lot of people, like, like one of the things I can't stand is a tornado comes through and they say, well, this is a major act of God. God didn't send a tornado and kill people. So why do they call it an act of God? Because in the ignorance of man, we look at this and say, well, God must be in control of the wind, so therefore this must have been an act of God. Well, then if God is th sending tornadoes, well, does that not send a message to everybody out there that God is an angry God and that he's trying to kill you? So therefore he's not a good God, he's a bad God? Or they send and say, well, we're just going to submit to it because, you know, he's God, but I don't know why God would do this. And so people turn their hearts. There's so many people I've run across in life who have turned from following God because they believe that he did something bad in life. He had caused a car wreck and killed their loved one or, or caused a tornado to come through or caused a hurricane or he did something. God did this in order to do something, and so therefore they don't want to serve God. Years ago, I was in the jails preaching. I'll never forget it. This, this man, as the whole time I was preaching, he was just going, pff, pff, pff. just walking along, just doing this. And so I tolerated it for a little bit, and then finally I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, What's, what is your problem? And he said, ah, preacher. And I said, what, did some preacher hurt you in life? He said, yeah, one time I was in vacation Bible school. I mean, this man's 40 years old in jail. So he's talking when he was a kid. I was in vacation Bible school, and my little brother was acting up. Preacher walked by and popped him in the back of the head and told him to be quiet. He said, I never liked preachers from that day on. I said, well, it really worked for you, didn't it? And he just looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, here you are. You're in jail. And then I just went on preaching. And in a minute, he comes in and says, wait, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? I said, well, you've been angry at a preacher your whole life, and so therefore you went away from God, and so you lived your own life, and now you're in jail. So you got the fruit of what you did. You did exactly, you got exactly what you were believing for. And when it hit him, he's like, wait a minute, I don't want this no more. And I'm like, yeah, why don't you come on over to our side? But he let a man and he let anger ruin his whole life to where he did whatever he had done that landed him in jail. My point is, folks, if you don't know what you've been redeemed from, if you don't know what truly is God and what you have been redeemed from out of the devil's hand, I do not want to give place to that in my life. Okay, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. In the Old Testament, it's a good idea of what you have been redeemed from. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Anybody in here ever had griefs or sorrows? It says Jesus bore them. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded. For our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. It says right here plainly, your griefs, your sorrows, your transgressions, your iniquities, not having peace and sickness were all a part of what you've been redeemed from. Do you see that? 
When I was down there, and I, I think this is another message, but I, I want to use it today. I think that's another message I got. It hit me, folks. And I'll, I'll share this a little bit more later. It hit me. That is, Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne of God today. It says he ever lives to make intercession for you and me. Okay? It says that he knows the feelings of our infirmities. And as I was reading this scripture, it just hit me that as Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne, he remembers the cross. He remembers the pain of the nails going through his hands. He remembers the spear in his side. He remembers paying the price for you and me. He has a memory of that as he sits there, that what price he paid for you and I and how much it must disappoint him when we don't walk in what he's redeemed us from. He remembers the cross. He remembers the pain of dying for you. You don't think? Listen to me, folks. If I have paid a high price for something, I take care of it. I watch over it. I have feelings for it. You think in Jesus, who went to the cross for you and for me, went through all that he went through to being wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement was for our peace, and by the stripes upon his back we were healed. You don't think, Jesus, when you talk to him about what you're going through, that it's not precious to him? Because he remembers what he paid for you and I. You don't think that he wants to move heaven and earth for you? You don't think that he gets upset when the devil tries to put something on you that he redeemed you from? If you know what you've been redeemed from, and you know it came from the devil, you know it came from where you were brought out of, then you can stand up and say, ho, 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 wait a minute now. I've been redeemed from that. Jesus, you redeemed me from this. This can't stay in my body. This can't happen like this. No, I have been redeemed from this. See, I just couldn't find the other night a place in the Bible at that point that I could say I have been redeemed from sitting on the tarmac for three hours. I could see that we've been redeemed from the law of this world. We've, I mean, I, you, can't even, you cannot imagine the theology I tried to pull out. I actually went up to the pilot and asked him, Sir, what would I have to do to be thrown off this plane? And he looked at me and I said, this is, I'm not trying to cause trouble. I'm just saying this is my final destination, but I know what's going to happen. Y'all are going to fly me back to Houston. I'm going to get caught in the middle of it and I want to get off here. What do I have to do to get off the plane? And he said, he said well, I can see your predicament, but he said, man, you're going to have to do something pretty bad to get off the plane. I said, well, I can do it. <laughs> you just tell me where the line is. So they don't, like, send the SWAT team out here and shoot me. You know, just an officer comes out and takes me off. And he said, well, it's a pretty fine line, son. <laughs> and I said, well, think about it, please. And if there's anything you can do to get me off of here, Throw me out. He said, well, sir, you'd have to spend the night in jail. I said, I'd be in San Antonio. 
Otherwise, I'm going to be spending the night in that Houston airport. So, I mean, I'd rather spend it probably in jail. He said, I don't think you want to do that. So, I mean, I tried every way in the world to work around because I, I knew I had been redeemed, but I didn't know if I had been redeemed at this point from an inconvenience. It wasn't going to kill me. Bottom line, it was not going to kill me. Okay? But what I'm saying to you is, church, Jesus remembers what he paid, the price of redemption for you, should you not walk in everything that's been paid for you. Do not leave the table with everything that's yours. He remembers. He remembers. So you got to know what you've been redeemed from. And then you got to stand up and say, Lord, you paid the price for this. It was a great price, huge price. So I thank you. You redeem me from this. What do I need to do now to walk in it? Amen? So I'm going to show you that later on, but I'm going to quit with that one. It's Mother's Day, and everybody has some place to be. And so I don't want to keep going, but I got some good stuff. This is, you got to remember this church. Everybody say Jesus remembers. Jesus remembers the price that he paid for you and me. Amen? So if you would, stand to your feet. Lord, can you come up and just play? Can I have my prayer team come down, please? If you're on the prayer team today. You know, a lot of times we get angry with God because we've had wrong thinking. We think he did something or he did not do something that you needed him to do. But church, I want you to understand something today. God loves you. And God is a good God. He loves you and God is a good God. So I want everybody just to bow your heads for just a moment. Give everybody a little privacy around you. If you're out there listening or watching today on the broadcast, or if you're in this church this morning, and you're not sure that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, you're not sure today that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Because you don't know if your relationship's right with Him. Well, the Bible's simple. It says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you would be in the family of God. That He would make that transformation instantly. He would transfer you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God by your faith and your belief. So if you're in here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you want to, you want to settle the issue, then I want to ask you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor, today I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray with me. If you're out there listening in the broadcast, well then just hold on. I'm going to pray with you in just a second. But if you're in here, I want you just to lift your hand and say, yeah, Pastor, that's me. Praise God. I want you, those of you in here that lifted your hand and those of you out there on broadcast, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me part of the family of God. Thank you, Jesus, for paying that great price for me. I love you. And I want to live in heaven forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Now, if you're in here and you've been angry with God, you think God didn't do something for you, well, then I want to pray for you this morning because I'm believing God for a special, special blessing for you. I'm just believing God by the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what's going on. It's the only way I know to do it. I can hash it out with you. We can go over this and that and the other. But listen to me. When the Holy Ghost touches you and reveals something to you, then everything looks and makes sense. So if that's you this morning, then this prayer is for you. Okay? And all I want you to do is grab it. I just want you to grab it. I want to pray over you right now. Father, I declare over everyone out there listening and watching, everyone in here today who's doubted you, who's had any anger issues towards you, who has thought, Lord, why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that, or has attributed something that was not you to you. And have been angry with you. Father, I pray right now that your love and your compassion would break forth upon them. That, Lord, you would open up their eyes and understanding to know and to understand your great love. To know that you are a good God. And that we have been redeemed from a bad devil. And that today they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them. And you have a purpose for them. I break off the chains and the bondages of all that corruption, of all that anger, of all those lies. And today declare they're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now take that person's hand beside you and look at them and say, you know, God is a good God. Look at the person on the other side of you. Come on, say, you know, come on, man. God is a good God. Now, Lord, as we leave this building today, bless them. Put your hand upon each and every one of them. Let this be the greatest Mother's Day there ever was. Just bless them, Lord, in all things today, in all their fellowship, and all their time together, Lord. Just bless them. As we leave this building, let us go out into the world and be lights, Lord God, and tell people good things about how good our God is. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Our prayer team's up here. If you need prayer for anything, we're up here with you this morning. God bless you, church. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.